0: hello everyone welcome back to the podcast this is episode two but it's part two to episode one so if you haven't listened to episode one yet definitely give that a listen before you start this episode um i hope everyone enjoyed the first episode i am so overwhelmed and thankful for all the responses and stories and replies that i got it means the world to me It was definitely scary to share this story, and the second half as well is equally as nerve-wracking, but I'm really touched by how many people reached out to me and shared their stories and personal anecdotes and all sorts of advice. Every single word that anyone sent me just means so much to me, truly. And yeah, here is the second part, if you've made it this far, I'm so grateful for you picking right back up exactly where I left off after my 21st birthday, where things really got excessive. This is definitely a darker part of the episode, definitely the worst period for me when it came to alcohol consumption and my mental health, so enjoy. It's not the most lighthearted topic, but it's truth and it's life of living in this crazy world so hopefully like I said before if this just helps even one person that's all that I hope for and stick around right after this episode is over I'll answer a couple of questions and read a couple of stories that you all sent me I don't have time to do many so I'm just going to pick a couple but I hope you guys enjoy and thank you so much for listening excessive at this point I wouldn't just go out and have one or two drinks I would have four I would have five I went out to get drunk essentially we went to ladies night on Wednesdays and it was free drinks so you didn't just have one you had a bunch the purpose and the point of going to these ladies nights or going out on a Friday night was to get drunk or going to a party at someone's house so it was definitely excessive at this point There wasn't a lot of control and i definitely wasn't trying to have control over myself i just wanted to have fun and do what everybody else was doing i was easily influenced by that and i was not willing to admit to myself that i could have a problem with this or that it seemed like my limits were different than the people around me i had had some scary experiences at this point nothing too traumatic had happened but I do feel that my friends had to deal with me in states that I'm definitely not proud of and I'm definitely, looking back, not glad that I put them through those experiences. It was not a good show of my character and definitely not something that I'm proud of happening. They had to deal with me saying things that I did not mean and the next day someone would tell me what I said and I didn't remember and I didn't have any memory of feeling like that or saying that which is really a scary place to be at. And in this moment of denial of everything, I absolutely still did not see that as an issue. I thought everybody else did that too. I'm no different than anyone else. That's just what happens. Don't blame me, don't get upset at me. And then I would just be able to compartmentalize it and move on. Even though now looking back, I can see how much of a red flag that was, but that had happened. And yeah, that at that point, not remembering things that had happened or things I had said was definitely happening and was definitely a red flag, but I absolutely could not recognize or see that or admit that to myself. So in my sophomore year, those things had been far apart, but they did happen, and alcohol was absolutely never a good thing for me. It never actually helped me be more fun, more interesting, better. All these things that i was telling myself that it was doing for me it absolutely never was actually doing those things but my junior year like i said was where things really took a landslide and a darker turn my spring of sophomore year had been really fun and it was a super good time looking back i had very fun fond memories of this time in my life we had a really fun friend group It was a good time, and I definitely don't regret being friends with them and enjoying these experiences. We went to lacrosse games and hung out with everybody, and it was just a really good time, a really happy college time. I was definitely still dealing with things internally, but this was a short period of time where those things lessened, and I felt a bit happier and a bit more inclined to just enjoy myself and lay off of alcohol a little bit. There was a lot less crazy things happening around me. It was pretty steady with this friend group, doing fun things and feeling safe and feeling secure. But the summer after sophomore year is where things began the landslide into my junior year. Like I said before, junior year was really the darkest period and where things truly became a problem and where eventually it would lead me to turn things around, but I Remember going into my junior year. I had really felt My depression and anxiety take a turn. It was probably the lowest point that I had ever felt. I was struggling with these things alone. I So deeply wanted to hide these parts of myself. I didn't want to be unhappy. I didn't want to be sad I didn't want to be associated in any way with anything negative. That's just where I was at this point in my life I was so dedicated to the idea of creating myself as this positive happy carefree goes to parties hangs out with people doesn't get stressed out doesn't get anxious definitely isn't depressed in any way type of person i wanted to be that person and i was willing to sacrifice hiding the parts of myself that needed healing and needed to be worked on in order to achieve that self-image at least to the people around me even if me behind closed doors me inside my mind me by myself didn't actually feel like that person, if that makes sense. So going into my junior year, that's where I was at mentally, but definitely did not share that with the people around me and definitely did not do any active steps towards healing myself in any way, shape, or form since I wasn't even really willing to admit to myself that I needed to do that. But I was very depressed. My anxiety was at an all-time high. I was constantly anxious, and I knew that alcohol wasn't helping me at all, but it made me feel like I was happy. It made me feel like I wasn't anxious. It made me feel like I wasn't depressed. Because it was able to numb all of these feelings, I didn't know how to stop. My identity was so wrapped up in being this party girl, carefree, wanting to be normal. I just didn't know who I was outside of alcohol anymore. My identity that I wanted to create for myself had become so wrapped up in drinking and partying and alcohol that there was no way for me to separate myself from it at this point, which is where it became its own version of an addiction. I was addicted to the way that I felt when I was drunk and the way that I felt when I was at a party where I didn't feel sad, I didn't feel anxious, and I didn't feel depressed. I just felt nothing, which for me was better than the way that I felt without it. So that's really when it became its most negative form of drinking. I was very much numbing my emotions and my feelings so adamantly at this point that I would take every opportunity to get drunk, every opportunity to go to a party. I would make it look like I was excited to have fun, but I really just wanted to be drunk and not feeling anything. I didn't want my actions to have consequences. If I kissed somebody when I was drunk, it didn't mean anything. Whatever I said when I was drunk doesn't mean anything. I was willing to participate in the activity, but I was absolutely not willing to take responsibility for any of my actions or anything I said, which is not a good place to be at and it's a really scary place to be at with your mental health and with your existence because you are not taking ownership or responsibility for yourself and the immaturity with that was not healthy or good at all. So my junior year started and I was at this place mentally, but I didn't really share it with anyone. And I pretty much sort of chose to hang out with people that didn't know this about me, didn't know how anxious and depressed I was, just so that there was no questions about it. My behavior couldn't be called out. I just wanted to have fun and be this carefree person and I continued to just keep that facade going for as long as I could. But my junior started off and everything was fine. It's Fuzzy the details, some of these stories, just because I feel like I have blocked some of these memories out, and also I just genuinely don't remember some parts of these stories, which is awful, but that's just the reality and the truth of how bad the situation was. I, you know, leading up to this, the events are just kind of normal day to day college life, but I would say the darkest place that I got to, I was living with not my friend group anymore at this point. I couldn't afford to move off campus yet. I was working. I worked a job that was until 9 p.m. every night. I was pretty exhausted. I would work, go to class, go home. My roommate at the time, still one of my best friends to this day. I love her so much. She is literally an angel human and I don't actually think that I could have gotten through this dark period of time without her. She was really a lifesaver and I'm so thankful that I lived with her at this point it actually ended up being the best thing that could have happened for me. But I would go to my friend's apartment off campus. At this point, they were able to do whatever they wanted because they were living off campus, but I was still living on campus, which, like I said before, was still a dry campus no matter what age you were and no matter if you were a junior a senior or living in the upper-class, freshman, not-freshman housing, you still weren't allowed to have alcohol and you still had an RA that would check. So. Didn't have any alcohol in my apartment, which was probably good, but I would go to my friend's apartments for parties to do whatever, to do anything that involved drinking. I would go to my friend's off-campus apartment that I didn't live at, but I was frequently at all the time. So at this point, going out was happening constantly in an excessive nature, drinking so much, drinking more than I needed to, blacking out, just being an abnormal level of drunk, and just having absolutely no limits and no desire to stop myself at all. I would do things that I just was not proud of and I would wake up the next morning and I would feel the anxiety and I would be like, oh, why did I do that? That was a horrible decision. But instead of saying that, I would just brush it off and be like, oh, but I was drinking, so it doesn't really matter. Everybody does that. Look at the people around me. They do these things too. So really, there can't be anything wrong with my behavior because it mimics the people around me. It's fine." Even if I knew in the back of my head that this was not true, that was the narrative that I was willing to tell myself in order to keep repeating these patterns of behavior over and over again without the consequences and without taking responsibility for them, if that makes sense. So I had probably hurt people, kissed people that didn't mean anything, just done things that messed with people's feelings and messed with my own feelings, and I wasn't willing to be sorry about it I was able to just do these things and brush them off, even though that's not who I am at all in real life. I care about people very deeply, and I don't like the idea of hurting people, I don't like the idea of hurting people's feelings. But I was willing to do it at this point in my life because I just didn't care about anything. I didn't care about myself, and I definitely did not care about the people around me well. Which is very hard to recognize and admit, but that's just the reality of the situation. That's just the kind of person I was at this point, which I'm not proud of. And I hope to never go back to being that way again. But I was living with my one of my friends still in campus housing, and she was very busy. She was starting her own business. She was a very wonderful human being, the sweetest, most caring person. She worked so hard and she was in a good place. She did not make bad decisions. She was very motivated to build her business. So she was gone a lot And then i was off with my friends so the time we spent together was amazing but she was really busy and she was a year older than me so she was also trying to finish her senior year which is a really important time in your life but i learned a lot from her she was very wise but i still was successfully hiding how depressed and anxious i was i was still just covering it up to every person around me even someone that i lived with i was just hiding that all whether these people could recognize it in me i'm not sure but From my point of view, I was doing a pretty good job just hiding all of these things, hiding how hurt I was, hiding how depressed I was, and just refusing to talk about anything deep and emotional to pretty much anyone around me. Unless it was about a boy, or unless it was about a party, or something remotely superficial that didn't hold much deeper value than just being surface level and being related to something that wasn't about me internally and wasn't about my life, about my family, about my past, just nothing to do with my home life, nothing to do with my parents, nothing to do with anything that related to myself in high school and the version of myself that I wanted to escape. So I started going out all the time, definitely had separated from my two best friends freshman year a lot. I think this created a huge rift in between us because I was just not the best friend that I could be not the best human being, not making good decisions, and just not being the kind, thoughtful person that I really am. I was just being clouded. My judgment was completely off the rails, and I was doing things that did not align with what I know that these two people knew me to be, and I did not want that to be brought up. I did not want that to be talked about. So the only way for that not to happen was just to avoid the topic at all costs and act like I was having fun and that nothing I was doing was wrong at all. We had a little party one night at my friend's off-campus apartment. This was the night that was really the determining factor that launched me into going sober one day, that really turned things around for me eventually. Even though it took time, this was the moment that was probably the darkest of all. I went to this little party, it was a very innocent, fun party. I remember feeling happy and actually having fun without drinking at this little party at their house. We were dancing, we were having fun, we were playing music. It was so fun and I felt so happy for a second. But then, for some reason, we got invited to go out. I don't know who invited us, but at this point, I was still the only one that was 21. I was the only one that had a legal ID and could go. So this person was like, you, you have to come to this blank and blank. I don't even remember what it was, but it was out um, like 20 minutes away from where we lived downtown at a bar. And I just thought, what the perfect opportunity, like I felt that darkness creeping up again. I'm like, oh, I have to go. I have to get drunk. I have to have fun. I have to numb my feelings. I just was so addicted to that feeling at this point, And I just couldn't say no and I wish I could but I couldn't and if I'm taking recognition of myself that is really where I was at I was willing to do anything to get to that point so when someone put the offer out there there wasn't even a doubt in my mind oh yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna do that and I felt like that was just what I had to do so the boy that I was interested in in that friend group at the time decided to go too so we went together This whole night is just an absolute blur. I have no clue what really happened. I, in no way, shape or form, blame him at all for any of this. This was completely my own choices, my own behavior, and I'm sure he has his own things that he's processing and dealing with from this night, but I just drank and drank, and this was the worst of the worst. That happy feeling I'd had at that little party was just gone and every single bad feeling that I had about myself, about my life, every bad memory, every traumatic trigger that I had was just being completely ignited by drinking this night. I'm not sure exactly what it was. I think that there had been something inside of me that day that had come up with family or with something that had sort of triggered me but I had repressed it so deeply that when I was drinking it was just coming out slowly. like feeling after feeling was just coming out of me and it was all being projected onto this boy and onto this night and onto my feelings for him were just a band-aid over a gigantic wound that I had internally from so many years of shame and so many years of problems and issues and my mental health deteriorating and I just I blacked out I don't even know at what point I have no Barely any memories of this night, which is so scary to say. And I've never told this story really fully to anyone, but that was it. I I blacked out so much. I don't remember a thing. I don't remember leaving the bar that we went to. And I don't remember anything from this point. The next thing that I remember after this night, I woke up in the hospital. I had just blacked out to the point that it was scary for my friends scary for the person i was with it was clearly a problem it was clearly not a normal pattern of behavior it was not just your typical fun night out it was a destructive path it was an active choice to harm myself to drink into oblivion and to really make a horrible decision actively so i woke up the next day and i barely remember feeling anything at this point too It's scary to even imagine myself in this state, but I barely felt a thing. I remember looking in the mirror in the tiny, gross lighting bathroom. I didn't even recognize myself. I didn't even look like myself. I was so puffy and so sad and so numb and emotionless behind my eyes. That is not me. That is not me at all. I didn't even recognize the person looking back at me in the mirror. But even after this night, this horrible experience, coming back to my friends' apartments, seeing how scared they all looked, seeing that they could clearly now pinpoint very accurately that this was a problem for me, that I had a very obvious disordered alcohol use. I still wasn't really willing to admit this to myself. I wasn't willing to admit this to anyone. I did not want to seem like I had a problem because if I had a problem that meant that I had to stop and I did not want to stop this was not going to stop me you know I get choked up even thinking myself in this way because it is just so heartbreaking to imagine being so deep in the throes of an addiction to a substance making you feel a certain way and just not being able to admit it but that is the reality of what and disordered alcohol use and an addiction to that feeling essentially can do to you, I was unwilling to change, and even after something as horrible as this, even after hospital bills that were so expensive, having to work extra, having to just dedicate my life to paying off these bills and figuring these things out, getting all these phone calls, all the scary things that were happening, the traumatic experience that I'd put all of my friends through. I was still not able to stop drinking. I still would not give up alcohol. Alcohol was the one thing above everyone else and above anything else that I did not want to let go of because I did not want to face the way that I really felt about myself and to face how my mental health actually was and the state that I was in. It scared me and I did stop drinking for a little while because I was terrified of myself. I remember calling the roommate that I actually lived with at this time Like I said, she is really an angel human being. She picked me up. She brought me some, you know, healthy Whole Foods chicken and BioLite, whatever. She is incredible. And her kindness kind of got through to me for a second. And I was like, I feel like I need to change. But I just didn't know how at this point. I I was so depressed and anxious and unhappy. I didn't know how to change. I didn't know how to let it go. And I didn't know what my life would look like without alcohol. And I was really really scared to figure that out so i continued about my behaviors i don't even know how people wanted to go out with me after this but it wasn't the most uncommon experience unfortunately for people to black out and go to the hospital it had happened to a handful of other people that i knew and people around me were kind of like oh yeah people do that it happens nobody outside of my closest friend group could really digest and understand the gravity of the situation, I think. So those kinds of comments kind of helped me to be like, oh, yeah, it's really not that bad. What I did isn't that uncommon. This does happen to people. It's not really the end of the world. This doesn't mean that I can't drink anymore. This doesn't mean I can't keep going out. This does happen to people. I just have to be more careful. So I was able to then again spin the narrative to be what I wanted it to be, Even my mom, who was so worried, and at this point, my mom had said to me on the phone, alcoholism does run in our family. It is genetic. Maybe if I had heard these words earlier, it could have had a little more weight on me, but at this point, I wasn't willing to understand that. I wasn't willing to take that into account and be like, oh, that's bad. I I should think about this. I probably should stop drinking that. If this really isn't the way that most people feel about alcohol and handle alcohol, maybe I should stop. I heard that and I was just like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. That doesn't apply to me. I'm fine. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just in college. I'm just having fun. Like, don't say that to me. That doesn't mean anything. And I knew that I was hurting my mom. I knew I was hurting my little sister. She was probably so terrified and scared. My little sister went to the same school as me at this point. And it's sickening for me to think back on her having to feel like she was taking care of me versus the other way around is how it should be. I'm supposed to be there for her. I'm supposed to be the big sister and take care of her. And I couldn't fulfill that role because she had to take care of me and be scared for me. And I hate that I ever made her feel that way. I went home, I think for Christmas after this had happened. I'm not even sure if that timeline is correct, but I just know that it created a huge rift between me and my family at this point. I wasn't willing to admit anything, talk about my feelings. I just put a huge wall up between me and everyone around me that cared about me and wanted me to heal and get better. I went back for the spring, and this is where it did start to slowly turn around for me a little bit. I was scared of the way that I acted, I didn't like that I did that, I was unwilling to admit that to anyone, but inside of myself I kind of knew that I needed to slow down and stop. And I did slowly start to stop. My one best friend, the one I had known since the first second of freshman year, she's probably the only person besides the the girl that I lived with as well that didn't make me feel judged, didn't make me feel stupid, didn't make me feel like I was a horrible person. Unfortunately, other people in my life definitely made me feel like I was a horrible person. I felt very judged. I felt very uncared for and I didn't feel very seen by some people. They approached me and told me, you have to stop. But when you are addicted to something and you are depressed and you are so attached to this thing making you feel better, it's really hard to stop and it's really hard to want to stop. All I wanted was to scream and cry and ask for help, but I didn't know how to and I was so deeply unhappy and unable to admit the shame that I felt about myself. Because shame was the feeling that I was desperately trying to get rid of when I came to co- to college, so to feel it all over again the same way I did when I was fifteen was dehabilitating it was crippling. I was unable to feel that shame that I felt about blacking out and going to the hospital and scaring everyone. so I just put this wall up, built it up and up and up and up till I'd blocked everybody out I Stopped drinking as much. It would scare me if I did. I definitely still blacked out sometimes and definitely still drank but the feeling of anxiety that was coming after was getting stronger and stronger and stronger and I started to hate myself when I drank It switched. I had hated myself before when I wasn't drunk and then I started to really hate myself when I did drink I wanted to not be this person anymore. I wanted to stop But I didn't know how. I felt like I was spiraling out of control, and I was grasping around me to try to figure out how to stop, and I just couldn't. I started hating myself the next morning. If I would black out or wake up hungover or not feel good or drink more than I wanted to, I just really started to hate the way that it made me feel and what it made me do. I had relationships be destroyed by this. I was seeing someone, and it ruined it because of my bad habit and my drinking. I would drag this person down with me and we were definitely not good for each other but i liked this person a lot and i cared for this person and i would say that this bad habit of mine definitely destroyed this relationship from the inside out the spring of my junior year i was in a weird place with my friendships pretty much all around i had one friend who loved to party loved to drink was definitely an enabling person for me and i was the closest to this person at this point and i think that I liked that I was able to do these things with this person and not feel like I was doing something so different than everybody else. It definitely wasn't a healthy relationship. There was a lot of things that happened that were very unhealthy and drove me even closer to drinking and to doing these bad behaviors over and over again, hating myself the next day, wishing I could change, and not knowing how, and then just repeating this cycle over and over again. But the end of my junior year... um. I met my current partner, who I've been with for three years. It's been four years since almost I met them in the spring. But this is where I started to change, not because of this partner, but because at this point, I was sick of myself hating myself. I didn't want to hate myself anymore. I didn't want to wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and really hate what I was looking at and not recognize myself at all. It had a series of failed relationships, a series of bad situations happen, just one after the other that made me realize I have to change, I can't do this anymore, I can't be this destructive towards myself, can't be this destructive towards people around me, I have to start taking active steps to change. And I stopped drinking as much. I stopped going out as much. If I did go out, I would only have maybe one drink and I would stop myself. I didn't even enjoy drinking at this point. I started to really hate drinking. The opposite feeling. I wasn't enjoying it at all. So I went and I met this guy, my current partner. It was incredible meeting him. And slowly things started to change. I had something else to focus on. And I wanted to be a better person. I wanted to be the type of person that this person deserved to be with. And I felt like the qualities that I had underneath all this depression and anxiety and ashamed feelings and negative feelings was actually a good person. I was like, you know what? I know I'm a good person underneath all of this. I know I'm capable of being that person again. I just have to change. And it took a long time. I had been with this person for probably two and a half years before I really was able to actually change. Slowly, I would have nights where I didn't drink at all. I would go sober, I wouldn't have any drinks, I would just have water, I would have one drink. And slowly, I started to inch myself towards that. But there were still times in the first year of dating where he liked to go out, his friends liked to go out, and I would go and I still couldn't control myself. I was trying and I just I was so different than everybody else though I would black out so easily I would get drunk so easily I couldn't control myself I couldn't stop and that's when it started to settle in my mind finally that this is a problem I'm not like everybody else I can't just have a few drinks and have fun I have a problem I have a genetic inability to drink I have a genetic ability towards alcoholism I have to stop I have to change I cannot continue down this path, and I cannot continue in this behavior, in this manner. And it took a long time. I will say that it's not an overnight change. It's not an easy change. Kicking an addiction and a habit like this is difficult. It took a long time. After school was over, COVID happened. I lived with my mom in Austin, and then I came back to West Palm, and I you know, didn't have the same friends around me enabling me. I didn't go to parties the same way. COVID was a long stretch where I barely drank and I didn't really do anything crazy. And I started to feel like a return to myself again. I didn't feel like a new person. I just felt like I was returning to the person that I had always been underneath all of this. The person that I had always been, but I was just using something to cover up all the feelings that I didn't wanna feel all the negative emotions that I was hiding from myself and hiding from people that cared about me. Being with my partner, those walls started to come down slowly and I was able to take a hard look at myself and be like, why do I not like the person I'm looking at? What is it that is really stopping me from being the person that I wanna be? And alcohol was the blaring, giant smoke signal in the sky. It was the thing that kept me from being the person that I wanted to be. It was the thing in my relationship that caused me to say things I didn't mean, that caused us to get into fights. I hardly ever fight with my partner, and the only time that we would ever get into meaningless arguments or that I would communicate something that had been on my mind, it would come out when I was drunk, and it would come out not in the way that I would ever say it in real life, that I would ever say it without alcohol in my system. And I started to recognize this pattern of bad choices, bad behavior, saying things I didn't mean. And the one thing that was causing it all was alcohol. And this is what started me into the thought process of, I really want to change. And I really want to return back to the person that I really am. And I really want to start taking care of myself. This is all the mental side of it, the physical side of alcohol. I was puffy. I was unhappy. I had huge bags under my eyes all the time. My hair was stringy and falling out. Alcohol is so hard on your system. I didn't take care of myself. I didn't work out the same way. I didn't probably drink enough water ever. It's funny now that I am back into wellness again and returning to the way that I was when I was in high school and when I was a kid and I was following after my mom's footsteps. I can't even imagine myself not drinking enough water, not sleeping for eight hours, not taking care of myself, not caring about my body and about the way that I felt. My hormones were so out of whack from drinking alcohol alcohol had pretty much just messed up all of my internal systems, my nervous system, my adrenal system, my cortisol levels. They were all just scrambled all over the place. So it was a long journey to healing myself again, to finding the way that I could take care of myself and feel good about myself again. And a huge part of it, a huge battle was my mental health. Stopping drinking I think was the scariest for me because it meant that i had to face the fact that i was depressed and that i was anxious and that i did still have generalized anxiety disorder and that i wasn't able to just snap my fingers and make those things disappear i had to face them and i had to heal and i had to face the trauma that i'd been through in my life in my childhood and i had to start doing that deeper inner work and it's painful because you cry and you feel really sad and you feel different than other people, you feel alienated, you feel lonely when you're dealing with these things, but the only way to get through them and the only way to heal from them is to face them, as difficult as that is. I started doing that slowly. I started waking up every day and thinking, what would a sober person do? That's what I'm going to do. I don't know what my life looks like without alcohol, I don't know who I am without partying and without alcohol. But after two years of trying and failing and trying to go sober and failing and trying to stop drinking and failing, that is really how it changed for me. It sounds so simple, but our minds are so powerful and they're so strong and we're so resilient that even I had been through all of these things, it was just only me that was able to really make this change for myself. So I woke up one day in my apartment that I was living in with one of my very best friends sunlight coming through my window, and I just thought to myself, I, I have to do this. I want to go sober, I- and I need to go sober. And I started reading books that I thought a sober person would read. I started going to workout classes I thought a sober person would go to. I started going on walks every day the way I thought a sober person would. I started talking the way I thought a sober person would. And eventually, I became a sober person. In the same way that when I was a sophomore in college, I started talking the way I thought a girl who went to parties would talk. I started acting the way I thought a girl who went to parties would act. I started doing things I thought a girl who partied would do. In the exact same way, when I started doing those things and saying those things and acting in the way I thought a sober person would act, I became a sober person. And now, nine months later, I'm still sober. Saying it to people was probably the scariest part since I Didn't know if some people only thought that I was interesting and fun and only liked me when I had been drinking or only knew me to be somebody that was cool when there was alcohol involved. I wasn't sure if I was still going to be interesting or fun or cool or any of the things that I thought maybe I was when I was drunk. But I found out that I was more cool and more interesting and more fun because I wasn't saying things I regretted. I wasn't acting in a way that was completely unaligned with the person I was. I had never felt more myself at this point. I was such it was such a return to my real internal self that I was so sure that it was the right decision. I had this huge release, this huge breakthrough. I hadn't cried really in a long time about anything real. It had all been stupid drunk crying over some little problem. But I cried for the first time about my life. I journaled everything I was feeling. I wrote a letter to my younger self, and I wrote to myself when I was drunk and in the pits of things, what I wish that I would have said to myself and how I wished that I could have actually acted and been. And I wished so desperately I could have been there and showed up for myself in the way that I needed during that time. But I had to go through that to come out on the other side. And everything does happen for a reason. I think that these experiences led me to where I needed to go once I had graduated and gotten to this point where I went sober. Other things in my life had started to turn around. I had much healthier relationships with the people in my life. The people that I'm still friends with to this day, my two best friends from freshman year, my roommate that I lived with junior year through the worst period of time. She is still someone that is so special and dear to me. These people had seen me go through something so horrible and traumatic. And They had been included in this trauma. They had to process their own end of this experience and they still loved me and they still cared about me and I was able to release this feeling that I was only cool and I was only lovable and I was only desirable when I was drinking and when I was partying and when I was attached to this idea. I let that go and suddenly my whole life turned around and changed and yeah, that that's pretty much the story of how I went sober and why. It was a long winding road. It was a long journey. It was not easy. It is not an overnight experience. And if you are struggling with disordered alcohol, it's really difficult. But I wanted to share that story because I think there are a lot of us out there that probably have similar feelings to the ones that I had, where you are ashamed of your mental health. It wasn't cool when I was younger to go to therapy. When I was in high school, I felt like the odd man out. I felt weird for going to therapy. I felt ashamed of myself having to go to the guidance counselor's office i came into school and had this cloud over my head and i felt so different than everyone else and if you are young and listening to this or maybe you're in your 20s and you're listening to this and that's you it's okay and you are not alone and you are not damaged and you are not worth anything less than anyone else because of this Your mental health is yours alone, and whatever it is, whether your mental health is in the best place ever or it's in the worst place ever, your value does not lessen because of that. You are so valuable and so special and so unique, and whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're trying to heal from, you will be able to get there. You just have to believe in yourself, and you just have to start taking those active steps one at a time. Everyone around you, it's easy to imagine, has a perfect life, I'm sure it's easy to look at me, to look at my Instagram, and think that I've never dealt with anything, that I've always loved wellness and health, and I've always been this healthy, carefree, go-lucky person, but those things are just not true. I've really struggled, and I've really been through some difficult times to get to the point that I'm at now, and that is the reality and the truth for everyone in your life. Everybody deals with their own silent battles, and if there's anything to take away from this episode, from this very long story it's that you just need to be kind to everyone. You need to lead with empathy and you need to follow with kindness because you never know what people are going through. You could be the thing that pushes them over the edge literally or you could be the thing that pulls them back in and saves them. So please just take care of yourselves. Take care of people around you. And think about your choices. Think about how the things in your life are really affecting you. Whether they're really adding positivity to your life or whether they're negatively affecting you and pulling you down. Um, If you made it through all of this story, I love you and I am so thankful for you following along and I hope that this story helped you to understand me better and helped you to understand what I've been through and how I got to the point that I'm at now and helps you to see that the road isn't perfect and there are a lot of ups and downs in our lives and mental health isn't always perfect and people are not always what they seem from the outside. So I hope you feel seen through this story and I hope it helps somebody. And if you guys have any questions about going sober or about alcohol or about anything that I've talked about in this story, my DMs are always open. I would love to chat with you. Send me a voice memo, a message. Um, I love talking to you guys and I am open to discussing anything. So So before I wrap up this episode, I just wanted to answer a couple of questions, read a couple of stories from... Uh, you guys from your responses I'm just going to try and make this quick since this episode is already so long I'm sorry again if you got this far once again thank you so let's see this first one is a good question were you diagnosed with an alcohol use disorder how did that work so I was never diagnosed by a physician or a doctor with an alcohol use disorder I think it kind of helps to understand that an alcohol use disorder encompasses the conditions that people refer to also as alcohol abuse, alcohol dependence, alcohol addiction. These all fall under an alcohol use disorder. And then I think years and years of alcohol abuse can lead to alcoholism, which can be identified through a lot of blood tests. If you drink extensively for years on end your body will show this physical symptoms of it your liver will be damaged your kidneys your spleen i mean alcohol is really is really hard on your body in large amounts so it will show in that way physically after years obviously for me i was young so it was only a couple of years in total that it was like this for me and it was only in periods of time it's not like it was a daily occurrence It was just when I would drink, it was heavy and it was zero moderation. So it definitely did damage my body, but I never went in and saw somebody to become diagnosed. Through my own research after I stopped drinking, I was curious if there was a term or something that encompassed how I felt that I couldn't control myself and I would drink so much more than the people around me. And I seemed to have an emotional link and attachment in a form of an addiction towards alcohol compared to other people in my life. And alcohol use disorder seemed to encompass pretty much any addiction, abuse of alcohol in totality. So if that makes any sense, it was more my own research that led me to be able to use that term in order to identify my relationship with alcohol, but I never went into a doctor. I think that even if you do, it's hard to actually diagnose somebody With alcohol use disorder, I think there's a series of questions that they could probably ask you that would lead them to believe that you had one because it is more of a mental attachment and fixation on drinking in replacement uh, for some other emotional ailment. So it's not something that I'm certain that there is a specific test to diagnose, but I think maybe certain lab patterns and results could strongly suggest that you would have an alcohol use disorder. I pretty much diagnosed myself with it, so I don't know if that's bad, but if you guys have any more knowledge, deeper understanding of this, I would love to learn, so go ahead and message me, let me know. I'm not an expert, this was just sort of my own research that I came to this conclusion, and through understanding my family background in genetics towards addiction, it was just pretty clear to me that I was falling down the path of not having a good relationship with alcohol, even more so if I had continued drinking the way that I had been before. So just to answer that question, since I feel like that's a really good one. Um, I got a lot of responses, stories of people that went to religious colleges like myself where it was a dry campus, alcohol was not encouraged at all. They kind of fell into the party scene. This one said, I related to your college experience a lot. I got swept into the party drinking scene pretty quickly because I wanted to make friends and be cool. I stopped having friend fun when I realized all my friendships revolved around drinking. Now I drink in moderation, prioritizing healthy living and genuine friendships. So this is awesome. I love reading these responses and I loved talking to you guys about your own experiences with falling into the scene of drinking and maybe realizing that it wasn't for you or maybe you realized that you just needed to set boundaries and have moderation. Like this person was saying, I think it's really cool that some people are able to drink in moderation and have those boundaries with themselves, have that self-evaluation, have that self-awareness, I, I think it's wonderful to hear people able to have those periods of time where maybe they experimented a little bit more, they tested their limits, but then they stepped back and did whatever really felt like the right thing for them, whatever that looks like for you. I loved reading these responses and hearing these stories. This one was kind of an interesting reply as well. I wanted to just clarify this one more time. This person said, I really enjoyed the episode but did hear a lot of black and white thinking like alcohol is bad and not drinking is good. It could be beneficial to acknowledge that having a normal relationship with alcohol is very healthy. I 100% agree. Like I prefaced the beginning of the last episode, I don't think that every single person should go sober. This is not me trying to push an agenda on anybody. I think it's definitely possible to have a healthy normal relationship with alcohol this is only coming from my personal lens I did not have a healthy relationship with alcohol and that's the lens that I'm coming from that's the story that I'm telling if someone doesn't want to hear that that's totally fine I am not saying that every single person should go sober and I am not trying to make you feel ashamed for enjoying drinking so I just wanted to clear that up one more time in case there was anyone else that felt that way I'm glad you enjoyed the episode still but In no way am I saying that alcohol is bad and that not drinking is good. That was just what was the case for myself personally. Okay, and then I'm just going to answer one or two questions from Instagram. Someone said, what are some ways to be supportive of friends with GAD on a day-to-day basis? GAD is Generalized Anxiety Disorder, which I discussed in the first part of this episode. Uh, This is a really great question. I think two main ways that I can think of off the top of my head. I know for myself that GAD revolves a lot around what-if case scenarios and like worst case scenarios coming into mind So a lot of times when I am feeling anxious and something comes into my mind like the example I used before Being scared to go outside because a piano might fall on your head. There's no ground for that worry, it just sort of comes into your mind and then suddenly you're fixated on it and you feel kind of paralyzed because you're like well what if that does happen to me so I think in friendships and partnerships and people around you that suffer with this, it really helps to just be able to let them discuss the worst possible case scenario because sometimes just saying all the possible things that could happen, like if I walk outside a piano might fall on my head I might get struck by lightning, I might get hit by a car, those are all really dramatic but Sometimes it's those kinds of thoughts that come into your mind and you're like, oh, I don't even know if I can say this because this just doesn't make any sense and now I don't even know why I feel this way. If I can just vocalize sometimes the worst possible things that I think could happen, sometimes it takes the power out of them. So just being a listening ear sometimes to a friend and being like, well, what is the worst thing that could happen? Let's talk through what that would look like and what we would do if that did happen finding a solution to those worst possible case scenarios, even if they may very well never happen. It's helpful to just sort of have a plan. I know I love having a plan for what if this does happen? If my flight gets cancelled, what will I do? Here are the possible things that I could do to fix that. If I do lose my job, here's what I would do. If I lost all my money, here's what I would do. So it's those kinds of things, if that makes sense, it helps to talk through. Also sticking to plans and communicating openly is another one for me when plans change really suddenly, I can get really anxious and stressed out by that because it's just something that seems to trigger it. So if you can openly communicate about plans changing or events coming up or things that are happening with this person, that really helps me a lot. Those are just two ways I can think off the top of my head, but this is a really great question. Okay. Do you deal with social anxiety as well? If so, how did this balance with your lifestyle? I definitely do deal with social anxiety. It was definitely masked and hidden by drinking and alcohol. I would feel a lot less anxious in social settings, which I know for a lot of people that I've talked to, this is a huge reason that people enjoy drinking. It's because it takes the edge off. It makes it easier to talk to people. It sort of takes the anxiety out of social situations. So basically, it just dissipates social anxiety. So I didn't feel it as often when I would drink in social settings, but now that I don't anymore, I definitely do feel that social anxiety a lot more. I kind of just have to remind myself that if I don't wanna go somewhere, that's okay. If I do feel really anxious in a social setting, it's okay to leave, it's okay to say no. It's okay to not feel up to doing something. I don't ha- You don't have to be social all the time. You don't have to say yes to everything but also just sometimes I have to talk myself through it I just have to be able to lean into that and be like yeah I do feel really anxious about the situation but here's the positives of what could happen if I go and a lot of times if I'll be able to lean into that anxiety and I'll be able to sort of overcome it mentally once I get to the event or that I'm nervous about going to or feel anxious about I'll have fun and I'll enjoy myself and it will encourage me to do it again so sometimes just trying to reteach yourself a behavior trying to overcome that anxiety has helped me in a lot of social settings, but I definitely still struggle with feeling a lot of social anxiety, and even more so now that I stopped drinking. It's hard when I actually do feel the social anxiety now in those settings. Okay, I'll just do one more. Uh, What do you do when you're the only sober one out with everyone else being drunk so late? This is also... Thing that I'm still dealing with right now and trying to navigate. It's definitely hard. Sometimes when I'm out at the bar and everyone's drunk and I'm the only one that's not, I'll just try to, it sounds cliche, but people watch or talk to people, have conversations. Sometimes I value the fact that I am present in those moments now and I am self-aware and I do know what's going on, which I didn't always in the past. So I'll try to just talk to people, have conversations, observe the room, listen to the music, see what people are up to, see what people are talking about, take in my environment. It sounds really simple, but sometimes it's kind of enjoyable to just be able to be present and to be able to be aware of everything that's going on. When it comes to being late, I definitely understand this because I am not a night person. I am fully a morning person. So sometimes just setting a boundary with yourself and with the next setting an expectation with the people around you, like, hey, I probably won't be able to stay out till 2 tomorrow at 1230. I'm, I'm probably going to see how I'm feeling and I might head home. Setting an expectation with the people around you has been really helpful for me to not disappoint anyone by leaving and then having that boundary with myself to be able to say, I'm only going to stay out till, you know, 1230 because I am feeling pretty tired and I don't want to be exhausted tomorrow and I am not drinking. So it's harder for me to stay awake. So Setting an expectation with the people around you and setting a boundary with yourself has really helped me. Okay, I don't want to keep this too long, so I'm going to end it there, but thank you guys so much for listening to the second part of episode one. I hope that you enjoyed it. I'm really excited to film my next episode soon. I don't have a definitive date yet. I'm trying to get into a rhythm of when I'm going to release episodes, how often I'm able to post, and all of that. So I'm trying to figure that out, and I will hopefully get into a steady routine soon. But I am having a guest on my next episode, so I'm really excited to introduce you guys to this guest and to film a really fun episode together. So stay tuned for that soon. I'll let you guys know as soon as that's going to be coming out. Thank you so much for listening, and I love you guys. Bye!